Hey guys. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Megan. I'm Hannah. And this week I watched the Thunderstruck concert. Uh, It was actually a lot of fun. Um, Hannah and I had drinks and pretty much chased cats around the living room as we watched the concert, but it was still good. Uh, If you have not ever seen or heard of Thunderstruck, they are a cover band for ACDC, and they're awesome. So you should look them up on Facebook or something, because I really love them. They are awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it was super fun. They did a great job. Yo, homie, do you mind... (laughs) Your headphone cord is tickling my knee. Oh my gosh, get over yourself. (laughs) Tickles, man. (laughs) Hey, thanks. That's good. Do you feel good now? I'm better, thank you. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Also, I was catching up on the last part of, like, Will and Grace, and... This isn't a big spoiler, so I'm not too concerned, but uh, Grace is pregnant in there, and she has, like, this balloon that she's chasing around, and it's, like, supposed to be a gender reveal, but she can't decide if she wants to reveal it or not, so she's carrying this balloon, and it, for some reason, made me think of how stupid we were when we were little. Hannah and I... Why you gotta keep bringing up <laughs> fucking stories from when we were young? man. Do you remember when we had the baby egg? I know where you're going with it. We had an egg that we took from mom out of the fridge and we brought this egg outside and it was in the middle of the winter. So we kept the egg in the garage and then we would have to put on our mittens and get all geared up to go out into the garage and take care of this egg. Um, It got dropped. Yep. We smashed we smashed our we baby. We killed egg. our baby egg. We did. And if I remember correctly, I think that we actually took another one and we thought we were being like so freaking sneaky and then we ended up like crushing it by putting it in a bag of some sort. It was like a purse or something so we could carry it with us and then it completely just got smushed to shit. And then we eventually graduated to a baby cookie. Yep. I do remember the cookie. Mm-hmm. was wondering if I imagined that or not, but clearly nope. not. We did that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dude. <laughs> what the fuck was wrong with us? We had a baby cookie that would take in the all garage. Day. <laughs> we literally had a baby cookie in the garage mm-hmm. that we took care of. Yeah. Like a pet or a child. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and now we have cats. So see, that prepared us. Oh, man. I'm not really sure a cookie prepared us to deal with four cats, but... You know what? Three was the right number. Four is a lot. Three was the right number. Yeah. yeah. I always thought we needed an even amount, and I kept saying, like, oh, four would be perfect. It is not. Yeah, it is a little bit much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anybody that has that amount or more... Man, the people with, like, 10 cats, I don't know how they be I don't have a clue. And I see people, like, on Facebook that have six. I'm like, how? I'm losing my damn mind with four. Although I did make Isaac agree when we first started dating. (laughs) I was like, you have got to agree to us having 10 cats or I'm not going to date you. (laughs) Like, at least 10 at some point, just in case. So I have some room to wiggle there in case I find strays or... Cats that I just have to have. 
I think that number can go down now. Yeah, well, it probably can, but it, that leaves me wiggle room. Sure. And he eventually agreed to it. He wasn't a huge, huge cat person when we first met, but all it took was a little while with our family. Yeah, I kind of just want to get a fish now. Oh! <laughs> you take that I'm back. Kidding. I love all of them. Yeah, you They're just a pain just in the ass. Take that back. Like a big ass. Like a big ass. Yeah, not like a little Frankenstein ass. Because <laughs> he's like tiny. A, like a like a Rona ass. A big Rona ass. A big fluffy Rona ass. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, have we bored you enough with our cat talk? <laughs> oh, man, we always talk about cats. Sorry. But I'm really happy that you explained the whole baby egg thing on your board because I was real concerned there for a minute. Yeah, I've got like a little whiteboard in here and I just jot down notes. And I always read the <laughs> strangest shit off of it. Yeah. You never know what mm. is going to be up there. Always a surprise. And it never ever makes sense until she puts it into a context of like the conversation <laughs> and then I'm like, oh. Yeah. It sounds a lot weirder on the board. Sure does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anywho. Yeah. So, I have a story for you. Oh, do you? I do indeed. I don't even believe you. Um, okay, well, it's a podcast, so. <laughs> uh, let's go to the... So, today is going to be from North Dakota. Nice. Yes. Uh, Eugene Butler was born in 1849 to Ephraim and Rebecca Butler. His family was wealthy, and in 1882, Eugene moved to Grand Forks County in North Dakota, where he bought a 480-acre farm. Ever since his move, Eugene began showing signs of mental illness. He avoided his neighbors, only left the farm for business purposes, and even suffered from hallucinations, where he thought he saw people chasing him. I mean, I avoid my neighbors. I do, too. (laughs) No, thank you. Uh, His mind was deteriorating, and in 1906, he began riding into the night, screaming at the top of his lungs. Eugene had become a public nuisance, so he was admitted to the North Dakota State Hospital under the supervision of Dr. W.M. Hotchkiss. (laughs) During the following years at the asylum, Eugene expressed his fear about the invisible figures that were chasing him. He also believed that he would be sucked out of a picture if it was taken. Oh. Oh. That is terrifying. Right. I guess, like, because people always... I heard a lot that people think their souls are being sucked out if you take a photo. Oh. So, I mean, I've seen I guess that like, like that. I've seen it like TV shows, but I didn't actually realize that people act- believed it. Yeah. Aside from this, he didn't actually give the staff very much trouble or show any homicidal tendencies. He was a small man, and he enjoyed attending hospital dances and fell madly in love with one of the female physicians. On October 2nd, 1913, Eugene passed away in the asylum. His remains were shipped off to Middleport, New York, and he was buried by relatives. The end. What? Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Oh. Just open the door and kick you out right now. Is there more? I'm done. (laughs) After Eugene died, 
The estate was divided amongst his living relatives with the help of attorney W.E. Haupt. In 1915... <laughs> I'm sorry, what? His last name is Haupt? Haupt. Oh. H-O-U-P-T. I then she said Haupt. I was like, he got helped by Haupt. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> no. Damn it. In 1915... A work crew was sent to excavate the property with the intentions of renovating it. One of the men, Leo Verbulin, Ooh, yeah, that's a name, was digging a cellar under the house, and he discovered six skeletons. Oh no! All of the skeletons had crushed skulls, and at least two had their legs broken. The police believed that the skeletons belonged to young men. One was aged between 15 and 18, and another had a crooked nose. Oh. The police were not able to identify the individuals and suggested that they were vagrants employed as farmhands. Eugene had a lot of money lying around, and it's possible that he murdered the boys thinking that they might steal from him. There were no clothes on or near the bodies, so it's believed that they were buried nude and Eugene maybe burned the clothes. Eugene had built a trap door, removing three bottom stones from the house foundation. He used black dirt and red clay soil to cover up the bodies. Another theory is that five of the skeletons were family members that were all killed at one time. And one was a man, woman, and three children. Oh, no. The bodies of the five family members were buried in a single hole, and the other victim was buried about 10 feet away. A family of five was never reported as missing, and neighbors didn't recall a family visiting the farm. Okay, that's weird. Indeed. Many people visited the farm to see the crime scene, and it was later discovered that some of the bones were stolen and most likely <gasps> kept as souvenirs. What the Wh- fuck? Whoever did that is disgusting. What is wrong with people? Yeah. So Why? to this day, the victims all remain unidentified, but the stolen bones could be tested with modern technology if anybody would bring them forward. So please, if you have random bones in your home, let the police do their investigation and figure out who these people are. Literally. I don't care who they were passed down from. That's creepy. It's super weird. Who goes to a crime scene and steals bones? So bizarre. Uh, So... That was our first story, and it was just super mini, but it was cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I know. That's the end, because there's nothing. All right. They haven't been identified. We know nothing. We don't know who these people are. That was super duper mini. I know. (laughs) It was just, I wasn't even going to do it, but I'm like, you know what? If we can get the message out there somehow and someone hears it and has these bones, please, let's let's figure out who they are. Please just give them up, man. Yeah. She read a teeny weeny itty bitty story. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. That was gorgeous. Thank you. Have you been practicing that? I really have been. (laughs) I loved it. Thanks. Uh, Okay. Next story. Kathy Bonderson was born July 8th of 1952. Around 2 a.m. on October 25th, 
1987, 35-year-old nurse Kathy Bonderson had an argument with her husband, Robert, about their teenage son, Jamie, who hadn't come home that night. Robert had searched for their son, but was not able to locate him. Kathy was upset because she was late for work at the hospital, but she wanted to search for Jamie first. Kathy went out driving, and about 2.30 a.m., Jamie saw Kathy's car drive by him while he was parked with his girlfriend near a bridge. He ducked out of sight and noticed another vehicle following Kathy. An hour later, Kathy's 1974 Ford Torino was found engulfed in flames on a gravel road north of town near a railroad crossing. That's never good news. It's not good news. Her body was inside on Uh the front passenger side. Sheriff Ed Amaris believed the fire started from the front of the car and Kathy swerved to the right as she approached the railroad crossing and went over the exposed tracks. Then the car went into the ditch and caught on fire and she was thrown into the passenger side. Fuck. He said it was just a tragic accident. No, I don't think that's possible. That would have been intense, but... Is that the end of the story? How the shit do you get thrown... All the way over into the passenger side. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there were just too many clues suggesting that it couldn't be the case. During the investigation, it was discovered that Kathy's car keys were found virtually undamaged on the floorboard, even though the interior of the car had melted. Mm. There were no tire tracks that showed the car veered off the road. The car was totally burned, but there was no structural damage from the impact. There was also 12 gallons of gasoline in the tank and no damage to the fuel line. This is all real suspicious. (sighs) Is it? (laughs) It was soon concluded that the fire had started in several different areas. Kathy's husband, Robert, gave a statement to Highway Patrol, but he was never interviewed as part of the investigation. Kathy's body was exhumed for an autopsy. It suggested that she was killed before the fire was ignited because there wasn't any carbon monoxide in her lungs. Tests were conducted on Kathy's clothes and the carpeting from her car, which revealed traces of gasoline, supporting the theory of arson. A gasoline can was later found near the scene. The autopsy examiner, Almaris, refused to change the status From accident to homicide. Why? That's real suspicious also. (laughs) Well, he says there's just no evidence of murder. Okay. Yeah. You like that? They just presented how much evidence of it. I mean, they're literally saying that she couldn't have, you know, there was no impact to the car. No, apparently it's just an accident. It all looks like it, right? She was in the fucking passengers. Whatever. (laughs) Okay. In November 2005, cold case investigators reopened the case and performed a new autopsy. And this time, murder was proved. Because it wasn't the first time. We couldn't figure that out. Okay. There were injuries on Kathy's neck and throat that were not consistent with the accident. It's believed that the injuries were the cause of death. A press conference was held and investigators announced that they believe 
Kathy's husband, Robert Bonderson, murdered her. Nearly 20 years after Kathy was found dead, Robert Bonderson, who was living in Wyoming at this point, was contacted by authorities for an interview. Robert asked to set up the meeting in Billings, Montana. The investigators thought this was odd, but they agreed to the location and ended up speaking with Robert three separate times to get the meeting set up. After the police talked to him, he took off and left behind his bank and credit cards. In April 2006, Robert was discovered in a remote cabin in the Montana mountains, and he had taken his own life. It's believed that he initially tried to asphyxiate himself, then shot himself with a handgun. Jeez. Okay. Later, it was discovered that Robert had dated another woman named Nanette a few months prior to Kathy's death. He had taken a $50,000 life insurance policy out on her two (laughs) months prior to her death. (laughs) Isn't that how it always works? How did we not figure this out earlier? Always with the life insurance policies. Yeah, stop doing that. Uh, Jamie, Kathy's son, later admitted on the night of her death when he saw her car car drive by... (laughs) The driver was Robert. Jamie's girlfriend confirmed this and had actually written about it in her diary. Oh. Yeah. So the case has been closed and police say had Robert been alive, there is enough evidence and he would have been charged with murder. Holy shit. Yeah. What the heck, man? (laughs) I know. I mean, I just... I can't with the fact that they originally said that it wasn't murder. (laughs) It really doesn't make a lot of sense. She jumped. She or she was thrown into the passenger side. Yeah. And like no interview for the husband. Yeah. Like that's bananas to me. No good point. Like they just take a statement. Yeah. And just jump over it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, everything's good. It's just an accident here, folks. Yeah. Well, again, though, they were already stuck on that. So, yeah. I don't know. That's weird that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's weird. That whole thing is weird. Yeah. It is. (laughs) Oh, you almost just tried to hold my hand. You get out of here. She just tried to hold my hand. I didn't try to do that. She did. No. She did. We almost touched index fingers. It was going to be like one of those moments where we, like, slowly touch hands. No. (laughs) There was nothing happening like that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, I'm going to need to get out of this booth. So thanks for drinking the Kool-Aid with us. Like us on Facebook. Tell your friends. Subscribe on your podcast app. Um, bye. Bye!